listening to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. So on this episode of Learning Now Radio, I am delighted to introduce my friend from Down Under. We've had many debates, discussions. Um, I don't think we've ever had an argument, but I know that he's not afraid of getting stuck in when there's a meaty discussion to be had. It's Con Satidis. He is Solutions Consultant for Kineo Asia Pacific. And Con, thank you so much for joining me today on Learning Now Radio. Thank you, Lisa. Good evening from downtown Melbourne here in Australia. Oh, and um, now you have to remind me, Con, is Melbourne still the top city in the world to live? <laughs> You're always you getting on. You read all my tweets, don't you, Lisa? You read all my tweets. Yes, it's uh, unfortunately, or unfortunately, some locals would say we shouldn't be uh, having that mantle. But there, yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, voted again, most livable city in the world. Two years in a row. But I've got a feeling next year we might lose, given some issues we're experiencing. Well, any learning and development professionals that are currently living in Vancouver, you know where to find me and we can take this <laughs> Melbourne lot on. <laughs> yes, good old AJ. He's in Ottawa. He'll, he'll love this. Exactly. He'll be right into this one. So anyway, let's put aside the where we're all going to emigrate to and let's focus on the topic at hand today, Con, because I know that one of the discussions that you do get involved in a lot, and that's because, you know, you've been in this game for a long time, um, very much at the business focused end of learning and development, just like our friend that you mentioned, RJ, there. And one of the topics I know you really want to discuss with me today is why we are fearful of embracing social learning. And just to start that off, I'm going to sort of put my two pennies in and then I want you to tell me, you know, how you're seeing that in your practice at the moment. But I still think no, despite, you know, many decades really of organisations working towards flat structures for Julian Stodd and his work on um, social leadership and earning leadership through, you know, respect and results and trust, all of those things, we still kind of go back to type of a command and control approach to learning, which I think is at the heart of this challenge with embracing social learning. So that's my two penneth con, but you know, this is your episode, so you tell me. No, you're right. I think uh, that sums up very well. Uh, organisations still operate very traditionally, and people within those organisations still probably conform to that sort of standard of um, operation. So therefore, we have great challenges and um, hurdles to overcome when we're trying to advocate new ways of learning. But what I uh, what I try to advocate, um, Lisa, is that the most important thing we do in any new way of learning or anything we do new full stop, first thing is we've got to embrace it. What I mean by that is we've got to bring it into our lives. We've got to make a concerted effort to make it count and say, it's a bit like whether you want to go on a weight loss program or you want to go on um, on, on a journey somewhere, you, you develop some discipline and say, I'm going to get my head around this, I'm going to start investigating this, I'm going to do something about it. So my call to action to the people that I come across and talk to is embrace it, don't fear it, just get in there and start having a go. Well, and I think the embracing bit is really useful because – you know, if you think about, for example, and it's some years ago now, almost 
all organizations will in some way shape or form have been utilizing e-learning but you don't have to go back that many years when there were still organizations that were still a bit reticent about e-learning and I don't know if you found the same con but what you would get is they would start with a well we're a little bit scared about this e-learning thing so what we're going to do is we'll start with something simple like health and safety we'll put that into e-learning because it's safe yeah but does anybody give a proverbial about it. No, they don't. It's not the hot topic. It's not the thing that people really care about. So you kind of do this half-hearted dip our toe in the water, but it mm. doesn't galvanize people around something that really matters to them. So we sort of play with it a little bit because we're a little bit scared. We don't wholeheartedly, as you said, embrace it and actually really look at how you deploy this properly. And I suppose take some risks. Yep. yep exactly right. And, and this is so, uh, so timely, Elisa, because I just wrote, finished writing a blog for ATD, uh, and it's all about you know technology, and I call it technology friend or foe. One of the things I talk about there is when I'm talking to clients, and whether it be now in in the past, you start talking about embedding some new ways of doing things, and they they sort of start arming and ahhing. And the thing I hear is, oh, I don't think our people are ready for this. And I sit there and I think and I reflect and I go, hold on, let me tease this out a bit further. So when you start asking them what their social media experience is, what their social learning experience is, you start finding that they themselves have not embraced it. So what they do is, because they're uncomfortable, I think they try to hide behind that veil of our people aren't ready for it. And what I say to them is, why don't we just start with you? Why don't you let me teach you for a couple of weeks, support you in how do you embrace some of these social learning and then we can see if maybe you think your people are ready for it. So it's it's really about, you know, take a, a small step at a time, work with individuals, and then they, they sort of bigger barriers that they believe exist all of a sudden disappear because they feel comfortable and then they realise that their people will also feel comfortable. Well, and because of that, Con, then, have you seen a change in your practice in terms of the importance of the as it were, the communications and almost internal marketing and cultural messages around this, because a lot of this is exactly right. You've got these, this sort of um, uh, dynamic between people saying, you know, our people aren't ready for this. We've never done this before. This is a new way of doing it. You know, it's going to be a huge change for them. Actually, in reality, though, they're talking about those same people that probably have a smartphone on their desk. And if they even just stopped for a moment to think about how they use that piece of technology, they are already doing and surpassing probably what you're thinking about implementing. So does that mean then sort of in your practice, Con, that you've had to do a lot more uh, around the kind of the periphery of how you create the right environment and messages and culture to introduce social learning? I think, again, uh, Lisa, you've hit the nail on the head. I think the key things when I talk to people about this is how do we start moving the needle around culture? How do we start getting that sort of cultural perspective altered, changed, that, that what we call that mindset shift, that mindset shift, sorry. Uh, but also what I, say to the, what I try to advocate with people is the way I approach this is try to get some champions, try to identify some people in the organisation. So, for example, you would go to a business manager and say, what is one of the biggest issues you're facing at the moment with your team? And they would say, you know, um, completing cases on time or be able to get our widgets produced in less time. You say to them, well, okay, well, I can develop a program with some social learning perspectives in that. 
that will achieve with that. Will you be a champion for me? And you find that you say to them, when you say talking to them in that way, they'll say, yeah, you know what, if you can do something for me, I'll definitely be a champion. So what we've got to start doing is getting those small little bits of performance issues within the organisation, work with what I call the champions of those particular performance issues, start implementing some small little, you know, a, a social forum, maybe a communications channel, an interacting channel, get that champion involved and then we start moving that, that culture because once people start seeing that the head of the area, the person who's the one that's going to be accountable for this and they report to that person, we start finding they become more in tune with what we're trying to do. And I can almost hear... RJ screaming into his headphones <laughs> at the moment whilst he listens to this because I'm it sure <laughs> I'm sure he'll be listening to this one to say okay if we explore the word embrace here we've talked about embracing champions to help roll this out we've talked about um, understanding our learners better and being able to um, help them use this technology but what about the business what does the business need to know about social learning so they will embrace it the business needs to understand that social learning is the way that learning becomes more effective. The business is already aware that people talk. The business is already aware that, for example, when they individuals have an issue, they go to their manager, they'll go to Mary who sits behind them, or they'll go to George who sits in front of them. The business is very aware, or we need to also educate them about how people are learning. What the business but is mindful of and what AJ will tell you off is outcomes, impact. By, by embedding some of these social learning strategies that we talked about, the business can start seeing how individuals are learning and are making a difference by either aligning them to KPIs, aligning them to behavioural changes, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, the business only cares, business as a business, as a line manager, they care about one, are they producing enough and are they meeting the KPIs? Two, are they are their people happy? And three, are they getting the development they need? And four, is the organisation as a whole able to achieve its outcomes? That's what the business care about. What we need to do as political professionals is assist the business, advise the business. I'll go, I'll go back to Clive Shepard who he said a while, I remember I think it was the One Alignment book where he said, when the business comes to you with an issue, don't let the business tell you what kind of learning intervention they need. You are the L&D expert. You tell the business what kind of learning interventions, solutions they will require to achieve their performance outcomes. What the business needs to come to you is an issue, a performance issue that you need to get your head around and understand. But as learning experts, we are the ones the business needs to consult and be and advise on what the options are. I've gone a bit of a tangent there, Lisa, but I think I've, it sort of comes together by what we talked about with business impact and, and deliverables. Oh, oh, no, I think that's perfect, Con, because actually you've segued nicely into a question I was going to ask you then about explore, actually, yes. because you made a, an interesting point there saying in terms of, you know, as L&D, we can advise on the best learning intervention. Obviously, the reality is with, you know, organisational environments and market environments shifting so quickly, we may not know what the answer is. The answer may be an experiment, a well-formed one, 
a, a one that's grounded and I've, I've just um, popped something on LinkedIn on this in fact a, a bit controversial talking about um, should we be having a chief behavioural officer rather than a chief learning officer and it was deliberately provocative but the point was is to actually in such a a state of change that we live in these days we do need to test some approaches out what do you think as sort of as a learning profession we can do to I suppose develop more confidence in that approach that actually there is no weakness in fact this is an utter strength to not know the answer at the start but to be deliberately designing things that help us get to the answer well, well, we know, you and I know, there's a great movement that goes around uh, all the time, which is the working out loud. I think the more people work out loud, the more people are able to showcase what they're doing, but also be open to feedback, uh, the more we can start refining and tweaking. And we also know that perfection is no longer the standard we need to reach. We need to give it a go. We need to uh, experiment. And that's why I talked earlier on about getting some small wins. Try to, don't try to fix an organisational-wide problem with your social learning strategy. Start with small little issues that you believe are existing and approach an individual manager and say, if I was able to get you a difference in your KPIs, if I was able to make, um, you know, reduce your sick leave by X percentage, would that be beneficial to you? They'll say, yes, for sure. Then you say, well, okay, this is the strategy I want to go by. It's about maybe a short e-learning program. We'll embed it with some blended learning. We'll then do some forums, interactions, chats to support that. We'll, we'll, we'll have a look at that, not moderate it. So we'll have a look at that and see what people are talking about. We'll create some user-generated content out of that and place it on our wiki or somewhere. So what we're doing is we're starting to generate, we're starting to create content based on how people are interacting the way they're learning, but more importantly, we're starting to see a difference in the business outcomes. So exploring is about giving things a go, but more important, being confident to interact and having the courage to share with others. So, I mean, I think that's a beautiful way of putting that. Um, and then that leads us on to, okay, well, we've understood the uh, business need. We've got our champions on board. We started to explore different solutions. How do we enjoy learning, Con? <laughs> like, uh, like uh, I've said, a friend of mine used to always finish off her vlog. She was like you. She was a bit of a vlogger. Um, uh, she was an Australian lady called Sarah Miller, and she always would finish off her vlog by saying, if you're on social media and you're not enjoying it, well, you're not doing it right. And after hearing that repeatedly, I started understanding more and more about what she meant. Our social learning experience, whether it be via the platforms or whether it be via sharing a biscuit at a networking event or whether it be at, um, uh, like I said, an online forum of some sort, we should always be thinking about how we can enjoy it. And enjoying is about listening, understanding, seek first to understand from what the other person is saying questioning, quizzing, and you said earlier on about I don't mind an argument. No, I don't. What I like is I like to understand and understand where people are coming from. So what I will do is I will quiz. I will ask. Yes, sometimes, you know, on the written word, it doesn't always come across perfectly, but my aim is to always understand where someone is coming from and trying to appreciate their perspective, but also uh, within that, try to understand what, for them to understand what my perspective might be. So by enjoying, I mean, 
make sure you connect with people that you believe are going to add value to you, but also but also that it comes back to you to interact with them. So enjoy is all about connecting, interacting, sharing, but more importantly, responding, quizzing, asking, and, and continue to have that conversation. And at the end of the day, if you find a conversation is not going the way you want it, hey, you have the power. It's That's the beauty of social media and social learning. You can stop a conversation. You can excuse yourself from it. You can move on from it. If you're not enjoying it, you need to then take another step somewhere else. And Con, do you have any examples from your experience then in terms of those that are embracing social learning? And it may not be, uh, in fact, it's very likely it's probably not an entire organisation. It may be a discrete set of, uh, of people doing this. But where have you seen this kind of your three E's, your embrace, explore, enjoy? Where have you seen that all embodied? Hmm. Well, look, it does it does vary across the board. Um, with some of the the clients we're working at the moment, there is um, we're we're moving into a big what the big thing called the social way, which is which is a bit like social learning, which is about sharing what you're learning. So, for example, what the social wave what we're doing with our with our clients with Kineos at the moment is we've developed uh, it's that artificial intelligence that Google uses. So when Con does course X, course Y, other people in a similar cohort to Con are able to see that Con has done this course. He's rated it three stars or four stars. He's actually given it a bit of a, a rating. He's talked about the course, what he liked, what he didn't like. So he's given us some feedback. So someone who's in a similar role to Con, so let's say this organization is a, a major telco, and it, there's a really good case study on, on Kenya's site. It's the Vodafone uh, case study where they are able then to see what other individuals are doing and share to share what they all are learning by Someone else in the sales area in another region seeing what Connie's doing, they say, hold it, Con's a senior manager. I'm a junior manager. If I want to get to a senior manager level, let me see what people are kind of learning. So we start getting that social learning interaction happening. By also Con doing that course and providing some feedback, other individuals get to see what parts of the course Con enjoyed. Secondly to that, we also have an ability to have a forum where people can interact and discuss about that course during the talk. So I think what one of the clients that stands out for me is Vodafone, where they actually do a lot of that sharing. They actually have explored it. They've embraced it. Everyone in the organization is on board with this now. They're starting to interact via their LMS uh, by this nature, which is let me see what X is doing so I can see what I should be doing, or here's a new course that we've developed. Please let us know what you think about Think about it. Give us some feedback. Give us some interaction. Here's a form we've set up for you. Let's go. Let's go about now sharing our learnings. And what the organisation does is takes that content from that forum and develops new courses or updates existing ones. So I think organisations, especially sales, those in sales, have got a great opportunity to embrace the social learning perspective because we've got people out there in the field experiencing these things on a daily basis who can capture some real good intelligence back for the rest of the organisation and then determine what kind of sessions or courses they need going forward. Does that make sense, Lisa? I think I've uh, tried to explain it in a, in a nutshell, but hopefully I've uh, explained what, they, what they're trying to do. Oh, you absolutely have. And, you know, you bring to mind um, one of the best examples of real-life gamification I've ever experienced. And it was um, a little, quite a few miles 
east from where you are at the moment, Con, but I did a bit of work for Vodafone New Zealand many, many years ago. And um, looking at creating the right kind of environment for learning and social learning, experimentation and failure, they had the culture many, many years ago of the beer fridge in the corner of the, of the room. <laughs> and if anybody did anything good or... Basically, if you'd mucked up and you wanted to say sorry, you put a four pack in the fridge and on a Friday afternoon, we'd all drink the beer. And I, do you know, for me, that was, and there's gamification embodied. <laughs> exactly. I think with all these things, Lisa, the most important thing, and this is part of the embrace and the thing that I'm sometimes despondent about, or maybe I shouldn't be this despondent, is that within our profession, I think at the senior level, you need those people to start embracing. And what I'm finding is that Maybe at the lower level, what are called the L&D professional, the practitioner, I think they want to embrace. It's when they try to take that up line and whether it be to a HR manager, an L&D manager or an OD manager, whatever title they have, that's where they're finding a bit of a blocker. And I think the more of those type of individuals that embrace it, the better for all of us. Because you look at something like a Vodafone, it has started from the top. It's those people at the top that have embraced it and the rest of the organisation has just gone with it. And I think that's the most important thing we need to understand in this embracing. It needs to get that hiring buy-in, those champions, whatever you want to call them, and from there it will roll through the organisation. Well, because as RJ would say, it, the business has got to care about it. That's where it really Correct. matters. It's got to be something that they actually care about. And when you start getting the outcomes and the results that people like Vodafone are getting with their learning and they're seeing people got a career pathway, they can see their pathway, they can see their learning pathway, they can see what their aspirations are, they've got some talent management strategies in place, the business starts you know, caring about it and people want to work there. Well, Connor, I think on that note and having a really tangible example, that's that's wonderful. And is there anywhere that people can go, Con, to find out more about that or your work as well? Where should they find you? Well, we're, uh, there's a been a recent post on kineo.com. Uh, it's called the three E's of um, social media and social learning. They can read that one. Just go on kineo.com and look at the blogs. There's one on there. Um, those who are members of ATD, the American Society of Training Development, also known as the Association of Talent Development, I've also written a very similar blog for them also. So if you're a member of that. Lastly, I'm on Twitter, LearnCotch. They can hit me up on Twitter or also hit me up on uh, LinkedIn under Con Sotetis and always happy to have a conversation with LD professionals. You know me, Elisa, always happy to have a chat, always ready to go with a comment or a viewpoint or perspective, but not an argument up front, maybe later on. Exactly. Once they get to know you, then we can have a good old <laughs> argument. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. That's lovely. Well, Con, thank you so much for joining us today on Learning Now Radio. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you for the opportunity. Learning Now Radio. All the best news, reviews and interviews. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I hope you found some useful takeaways to jot down and use back at work. And please remember to share Learning Now Radio with your work colleagues, your Twitter followers, and of course, your Facebook friends. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Learning Now Radio. Please help us to spread the word by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. And Lisa and I look forward to you joining us in two weeks' time.